Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk a bit more about football in South Africa and hear from France-based winger Kermit Erasmus, who plays for Rennes. Erasmus tells us about the challenges of moving to Europe. I'm married with two kids, so I have the support of my wife and my kids, you know, and I feel comfortable. I feel at home. I always have a cooked meal when I, when I come from training. So adapting to, to life in Europe, away from home, is not so difficult like it was in the beginning, you know. Also, we catch up on the transfer news in Europe and ask how Nigeria striker Kelechi Iheanacho would fit in at Leicester. And we talk about Egypt's Mohamed Salah, who's moved from Roma in Italy to Liverpool for around $40 million. Plus an interview with Kenya national team goalkeeper Arnold Origi, cousin of Liverpool's Divock Origi. Arnold plays for Lillestrom in Norway. As a goalkeeper coming from Africa, much difficult so you know you have to be resilient you have to be persistent you know you have to be patient you have to be disciplined that's coming up later but first to the CAF Champions League and we now know the eight teams that are through to the quarterfinals with the group stage having ended last weekend Al-Athli Tripoli of Libya will play Tunisia's Etoile du Sahel Al-Athli of Egypt take on Esperance of Tunisia Ferroviario Baira of Mozambique are through they face Algerian side USM Alger and defending champions Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa are up against Widad Casablanca of of Morocco. So two Southern African teams and six North African clubs. The quarterfinals will be played in September. Five-time champions Zamalek of Egypt missed out and Sudan's Al-Marek lost out in dramatic circumstances as Sudan were banned by FIFA on the day of the final group games, meaning that Al-Marek and Al-Hilal were both thrown out of the tournament. Both were in Group A and Mozambique's Ferroviario benefited as a result. Tough for listeners in Zambia as Zanaco were on top of Group D going into the final group games that ended up third after losing away to Widad Casablanca. Well, on Facebook and WhatsApp this week, we're asking who do you think will lift the trophy this year? Uh, send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go onto our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and tell us who you think will lift the Champions League trophy this year. And the road to the 2018 African Nations Championship, the CHAN in Kenya, continues this weekend. This the tournament for home-based players only. Among the fixtures in the western zone, the Gambia take on Mali, Sierra Leone play Senegal, Liberia face Mauritania and Guinea-Bissau play Guinea. Here in the southern zone, Zimbabwe are away to Namibia, Botswana take on South Africa and Zambia play away to Swaziland. These are first leg matches and there's a final qualifying round to come. So wishing your team all the best if they're in action this weekend. Now, on the show last week, we heard from South Africa national team midfielder Keegan Dolly, who plays for Montpellier in France. And we found out a bit about football in South Africa and looked at why relatively few South African players make it in Europe. 
Well, Solomon said that South Africa is a very comfortable league to play in with good contracts for top players, so there can be less urgency to move to Europe, even though the standard of play is higher in most European leagues. Well, this week we hear from another South African based in France, Kermit Erasmus, who's made 12 national team appearances and currently is with French top-flight club Rennes, having been on loan last season to second-tier side Lens. Erasmus is 27. He plays as a forward. He spent a year in the Netherlands before going back to South Africa, playing for Supersport United and Orlando Pirates, before then moving to Rennes in France last year. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Olawashina Okaleji spoke to Erasmus when he was in Nigeria for the recent 2019 Africa Cup of Nations qualifier, where South Africa stunned Nigeria with a 2-0 win in Uyo. Olawashina asked Erasmus about that fantastic start to Bafana Bafana's qualifying campaign under their new coach, Stuart Baxter. Yeah, it's always important, the first game of the, of the qualifiers of the AFCON, you know, to make sure you start off on the right foot and I think fast. A lot of people didn't expect us to come come and win the game because of the, the players Nigeria has playing in, in Europe. So for us, we had nothing to lose and we just we just enjoyed ourselves and went out there and, and managed to win. Surprised a lot of people. In 2014, you came here, you drew 2-2, two, two, you surprised Nigeria and knocked them out of the African qualifiers. Did that play in your mind when you went to Uyo thinking, come on, we've been here before? Not at all because, I mean, football doesn't, you don't play football on the past, you you stick to the present, you focus on what's, what's, what's at stake. And I think the pause don't, don't matter at all in football. It's all what, you got, what, you, what you're capable of doing on the day and how bad you want it. And I think we showed, we showed a lot of uh, character and we, we showed a lot of desire to want it more than, our, uh, than Nigeria, actually. How significant is this win for you ahead of your World Cup qualifiers against Cape Verde? Yeah, it's a good moral boost that the coaches came in, you know, a new coach who understands the culture and the, the philosophy of, of South African football. So... He's motivated us a lot throughout our, our week's preparation for, for, the, for the game against Nigeria and instilled a lot of confidence in, in, our, in us as players and he gave us that self-belief and made, made us feel like we made, help us believe in ourselves as well. I think that's what we lacked before the game. So I think that's boosted our confidence as individuals and as a unit. So I think that's what, that's what was the difference for us in the game. You are one of the new wave of South African players playing professional football in places that people will never expect South African to go to France, you learn a new language, the struggles and everything. How are you settling in French football? Yeah, for me it's also quite different at the moment because um, I'm, I'm married and I have two kids. As of when I, was, when I went in the beginning to Holland when I was 18 years old, I didn't have nobody that I could go with or to help me or support me. So now in, my, in this stage in my life, in my career, I'm married with two kids, so I have the support of my wife and my kids, you know, and I feel comfortable. I feel at home. I always have a cooked meal when I, when I come from training. So adapting to, to life in Europe, away from home, is not so difficult like it was in the beginning, you know. The, the language is not that of a barrier because now I've been a year, and a, half, a year almost and a half now. I'm learning the language. I can speak and I can understand the basics. So for me, it's been, it's been good, you know. I'm just hoping to, to, to keep on doing what I'm doing and hopefully, as I can say, as long as possible in Europe. You went on loan to Lens last season. You're going back to your parent club now. How important was playing regular football in League 2? How important was it for your career? Yeah, it's always important because when I went to Rennes in the, in the beginning, I didn't get much, enough game time as I, as I would, lo- would have loved, you know, for, for various reasons, you know. And for me to get game time uh, at Lens and for them to give me the opportunity to, to show what I'm capable of, that was basically one of the reasons to show people in France my capabilities and what I, what I can showcase my talent and what I have to offer so I think people got a, 
uh, a, a slight idea of what I can I can do as, as a player and what I'm capable of and my strengths and my weaknesses. So hopefully, you know, I can go back and I can take it from there and I can get the ball rolling back in my team and run. Finally, there are young African footballers listening to you now, many who are scared of just taking that bold step of playing in European football. You've been there for years. You understand what it takes. What would be your advice to any young, ambitious, young African player who wants to play professional football in Europe? My best advice is, is to push yourself out your comfort zone, you know. Uh, face your fears. Don't be afraid to go to Europe because I think that's when you see, the, that's when you see how far you can go. When you're in Europe, don't uh, look back and miss home too much. Focus on why, why you are there and don't get uh, sidetracked by the by bad influences from people to tell you negative things. And just uh, enjoy yourself when you're there, you know. It's an opportunity that millions of kids from Africa uh, desire to have, you know. Uh, wish, wish to have that you, that you have. And I appreciate the opportunity being back in Europe. And I'm just trying to grab it with both hands because... There's better players maybe that, that could have been in, in Europe. There's players that are, that are dying to go back, that are dying to play in Europe. And I'm one of the lucky ones, the fortunate ones, the blessed ones, to be, to be doing what I, what I love in, at, at one of the highest levels, and that is in Europe. Merci beaucoup, and bonne chance en France. Adrien, merci. <laughs> Some impressive French there. That's France-based South African forward Kermit Erasmus speaking to Oliver Sheena Okaleji. So Erasmus saying that South African players can make it in Europe, but to Solomon there haven't been many South Africans who've been big there. Uh, there was Stephen Pienaar at Everton, most notably Benny McCarthy, who won the UEFA Champions League with Porto and then went to Blackburn Rovers in the English Premier League. Also Lucas Radebe at Leeds United. Do you think there are more South Africans who can do well in Europe? Definitely, Steve. There are a whole lot more South Africans who can do very well in Europe. We've uh, lately experienced the resurgence of South African under-20 on under-23 teams. We saw them at the Olympic Games in Rio. We saw them at the World Cup, the under-20 World Cup. So I think there are younger players that are coming through. And one thing with these young players is a lot of them are actually playing in Europe already. They're playing in the Portuguese league. So we have players who are saying, look, I want to go out there early and be able to make a name for myself. Before Benny Makati left South Africa, he was not known in South Africa uh, until he started playing with Ajax firstly in Amsterdam before moving to uh, Porto in in Portugal, uh, where he did well and Salta Vigo also in, in Spain. But there are a lot of young players there are a lot of young players from all different you know age group competition that that are ready to do well i think the main motivation is to help them to see much more than playing for Kaiser Chiefs, playing for Orlando Paris. To say, look, you are good enough to compete with players in Europe. You are good enough to compete with the big names you watch on television. You are big enough to play for the big teams. Uh, Trust me, I think South African football is really on the right course now. There are a lot of other younger players who are playing in the different academies uh, across South Africa. Uh, Some of them, uh, you know, are not playing in the first team yet. Some of them are in the first team already and the future is really bright. Well, let's hope that more South Africans can make a mark in Europe. I do agree that uh, they're doing really well right now at youth level. Thanks a lot to Solomon Ashams in South Africa. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, we talk to Kenya national team goalkeeper Arnold Origi. 
where you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download it, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. Also, you can listen to the show on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. And now we turn to social media. And on last week's show, we talked to two young African players based in Europe. That's South Africa national team midfielder Keegan Dolly and Ghana hotshot Raphael Dwamena. Both players are doing well with their national teams. So we asked, what role do you feel that young players have in a national team? Are the more experienced players safer options or do the youngsters take you further? Firstly, to Lai Sise in the Gambia, who says some of them are definitely good to go. I watched Keegan Dolly playing here against our Scorpions, and he was superb, banging in two thunderous goals on the night. Youngsters are instrumental because they bring in the hunger and the zeal and all that, says Lai. Fabrice in Cameroon says, I'm caught in two minds here, but what I saw of the way the young Germany team performed at the just-ended Confederations Cup, it's proved to me that youngsters can do the job in national teams. It's very good that we combine youngsters with experienced ones to have more productivity. Uh, the youth are the future in national teams, says Fabrice. Amadou Jallo in the Gambia believes national sides in Africa must invest in young players for a better future. It'll help in the development of African football, says Amadou. Young, rising African players applying their trade in Europe and other parts of the world can be instrumental in developing African football. So let them be treated in a good way. I really want an African side to one day win the World Cup, says Amadou. To Zambia now, and here's Mwinga Maimbolua saying that with time, young players, and especially those playing in Europe, have found it easier to break through into the national setup because of the level of football that they're exposed to. However, this is not the case with their young friends playing football for clubs based in Africa. But that's not to say that they are the safer option. Young players can be called upon, but the older and experienced players are always the safer option, says Mwinga. Aladdin got in touch from the Gambia saying youngsters need to be given chances to prove themselves and to bring competitiveness within the team. Clement is in Ghana. He says it's very significant to give the young players a call-up so that they can be more exposed to international football. They seem to be more confident and audacious in exploring their talent and improving their game, so these young footballers play very significant roles as they possess that eagerness to prove their skills to the globe at large. Yeah, good point there, Clement. And this point is also made by Ishmael Saidu Kanu in Sierra Leone, who says, I think young players are very important in national teams because they bring in energy and endurance, making the work easier for the older and more experienced players. Mohamed I. Kinte in the Gambia agrees, saying the role young players have in national teams is immense, as they are young and energetic. Although they lack experience, they are hungry for success, so they help the national teams a lot, says Mohamed. Obina in Nigeria says the role of the young players is primarily to understudy the more experienced players and to learn from their experience. A team should be a mixture of the young and experienced players to balance the team, says Obina. We always welcome your voice notes on WhatsApp and we heard from Ebrima Kante in the Gambia. Yeah, I believe young players 
have a role to play in their national team because they will be the future stars of the team. But for me, to go with all young, I'm not in that idea. So you have to blend them, both young and old, so that the old ones can give the experience to the young ones. If you look at the Africans, the last Cup of Nations they won, they have the blend of young stars and the old. Because you have Kolo Ture, Yaya Ture, Solomon Kalu, Givinho and others. But even though they have young players, very young players, you have some young guys that make the team to, to even reach at the final. So it is nice to blend them and give young players opportunities so that they can sign for their national team. And it will help the country in growth because as they are growing, they are shining, the country will achieve their targets. Thanks very much for those thoughts, Ebrima Kante in the Gambia. Also from the Gambia, Bai Mata Sanyang agrees that a balance is needed, saying it needs to be a mix and a blend, but I prefer the young stars to take their time going through the right channels before reaching the national team. They should go through the youth ranks, says Bai Mata. Modu Lamin Jadama, again in the Gambia, offers a different perspective, saying, I just think Africa has been producing a lot of talents over the years, but the lack of finance and motivation has caused us so much disappointment. And finally, Silas Ankiambom Ngong in Cameroon says, I think experience is priceless and youthfulness cannot be traded. Both of them are important in a team. We need a young, talented team with a few experienced players. The young learn from the old how to make it work in sports and in life in general. The problem in Africa is that the young today are leaders of tomorrow and that tomorrow never comes. So the young have to fight for everything, says Silas. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments and always great to hear from you. This week on Facebook and WhatsApp, we're asking who do you think will win the CAF Champions League? The quarterfinal lineup is Al-Athli Tripoli of Libya versus Etoile du Sahel of Tunisia. The eight-time champions Al-Athli of Egypt take on Esperance of Tunisia. Ferro Viario Baira of Mozambique face Algeria's USM Alger. And defending champions Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa are up against Widad Casablanca of Morocco. Who do you think will lift the trophy? Send us your thoughts on WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, now let's catch up on transfer news in Europe and Manchester City striker Kelechi Iheanacho is close to making a $32 million move to Leicester City. The 20-year-old Nigerian is thought to be keen to make the switch. Well, our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK joins us now. Uh, well, Stuart, Leicester seem to be very keen on African players, so would this be a good move for Iheanacho? I think it would be good for him to leave Manchester City because he's simply not getting enough games. He broke into the team in 2015-16, got seven Premier League starts and played 19 off the bench. But last season, he got less games simply because there's so much competition for places at Manchester City. Big squad and all that. So moving to somewhere where he'll play every week, I think, is right for him at the moment. Uh, and you're right to say that, that Leicester are quite a home for Africans. I mean, there are two other Nigerians, Ahmed Musa and um, Ndidi, the midfield player who made such an impression uh, last season. And, of course, the two Algerians, Riyad Mahrez and Islam Slimani and the Ghanaian Daniel Amarty. Leicester, of course, had this funny spell of winning the league 
almost getting relegated, changing the manager, and now they're looking to consolidate next season. I think signing players like Hinaccio, who certainly is a proven goal scorer, may be just what they need. Yes, and we'll see if Algeria's Riyad Mahrez will be with Leicester this season or if he'll be moving. Now, Stuart, Romelu Lukaku is a huge signing for Manchester United, moving for $97 million from Everton and a blow to Chelsea, who were also after him. Well, not only were Chelsea after him, of course, they had him. He was their player until 2014, but he only got one start during the three seasons he spent at Chelsea and then went on loan to Everton. So it's always a bit annoying when you've had a player, let him go, and then want to buy him back for a large sum of money, a bit like Manchester United and Pogba. It is a large sum of money the Manchester United are paying, but he is a proven goal scorer. I mean, if you look what he's done in the Premier League for the last four seasons at Everton, 25 goals, 18 league goals, 10, 15. So a total of 68 league goals in four seasons. You know, Manchester United really need a player who is going to score 15 goals next season. And I think that's why they're investing the big money. And of course, Wayne Rooney is going in the opposite direction from Manchester United to Everton. Rooney, of course, was an Everton player until he was 20. Then he came to Manchester United and uh, played almost 400 league games for them. But in the last season, he's only had 15 starts simply because of the, the size of the squad, you might say. And he's decided to move back to the club he started with, the club he's always supported, just to get regular football. Now, Steve, the finances of transfers is really a fascinating subject and we never really know the truth. At one stage, we were told that Rooney was worth $10 million and that this was part of a joint transfer, that Everton were going to take $10 million less because of getting Rooney. Now we're told that Rooney's actually moved on a free transfer. And this sometimes happens when a player has given good service to a club that they say, we know we could get money for you, but just to make it easier for you to get a move and get a good deal, we will accept no transfer fee for you. So anyway, we know that the two players have gone. We've had figures bandied about as to what the transfer fee is. Certainly it's a massive amount. Uh, I think it's good for Wayne Rooney because he was not going to play more than half the games at Manchester United. He can now become the main striker at Everton. And he's already said that he's very keen to get his England place back. So um, it could well be a good move for both players. Yeah, sure. And another interesting transfer is Mohamed Salah, the Egypt winger who's moved from Roma in Italy to Liverpool in England for around $40 million. What do you make of that one, Stuart? He's a very good player, of course. But the interesting thing was that he was previously at Chelsea for two seasons and only managed to get six starts at Chelsea. He then went to Fiorentina and to Roma. And at Roma, I mean, he's played 65 games, scored 29 goals, enough for Liverpool to pay this large sum of money. But it's really interesting how when he left Chelsea, it seemed that he just wasn't cut out to play in the Premier League. Let's see how he does on his second visit. Finally, Steve, I just wondered if you noticed that Sunderland have signed Brendan Galloway from Everton. Now, he played for Milton Keynes. And incidentally, Steve, he was only 15 when he made his debut for 
Milton Keynes Dons in 2011. He then played a bit for Everton and went on loan to West Brom. And Steve, why am I telling you all this? Because he was born in Harare. Uh, yes, I know, Stuart, and we've tried to get Brendan Galloway to commit to the Zimbabwe national team, but he's not been willing as yet. Uh, seems he still feels he might make it to the England national team one day, as he can still choose between the two countries at this stage. Thanks a lot to Stuart Weir in the UK, and finally this week to our interview with Kenya national team goalkeeper Arnold Origi. Origi has 32 appearances for the national team and plays for Lillestrøm in Norway, joining them in 2013. Arnold Origi's uncle is the famous Mike Origi, who was a professional footballer in Belgium, and Mike is the father of Divok Origi, who plays for Liverpool and the Belgium national team. That means Arnold Origi is a cousin of Divok Origi. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Liam Flint spoke to Arnold and first asked how he came to be a goalkeeper. Actually, being a goalkeeper, it was just a coincidence because uh, when I was in Kenya, I was, uh, I was playing as a midfielder, an offensive midfielder, like a, like a winger. I was quick when I was young and, uh, and I was good with my feet. So, and I was, I was a captain of our side. So I was about 11 years, 10 years old. It was uh, during, the, during the MISA championships in Kenya. Like We play like this championship, like this organization called MISA. So they organize championships. So my team, it was called Young Mighties. And, uh, you know, a goalkeeper didn't do well in, uh, in his end of year exams. So he was uh, given a coffee by his parents during those holidays. So he wasn't supposed to go out to play football. Instead, he was supposed to stay at home and, uh, and do his homework. So he was supposed to play and uh, we had no goalkeeper, you know, so and that day I wanted to play, so I said, okay, I'm gonna play in goal, so that because I knew if I play, I play as a goalkeeper, I was gonna play the whole game. I played well, and uh, coincidentally, uh, uh, the Mice uh, scouts uh, who were uh, selecting players to go and play in the Norway Cup that was in 1995 were in uh, in uh, in my area that day. They saw me playing goal and they were impressed, so they invited me for the trials. Went for the trials, out of maybe 20, 30 goalkeepers, you know, I was. I was seen as the best and I uh, made the trip to Norway and uh, from there on, that's how it started. So you don't miss playing outfield then? Uh, <laughs> I really do. Uh, I do. Sometimes I sit down and uh, think that I, I would have loved to be an outfield player. You know, when I was in Kenya, before I came to Norway to play professional, I was uh, I was on the verge of converting to a striker because uh, my uncle, you know, he did that before. He was a goalkeeper, but then played in the top level in Kenya, but converted it and, uh, and uh, changed his position, became a striker and became one of the biggest strikers in Kenya. He's a legend in Kenya, played for the national team, played in Belgium. He's the father, by the way, the father to Divo Korigi. So I was contemplating on doing that, but then uh, a thought came to me that, uh, you know, I had missed a lot of footballing education as, a, as an outfield player, you know, so I thought that, okay, I can, I can become a decent outfield player, but, you know, I've missed a lot. So I was maybe 18, 19, 20, so I thought like, okay, if I'm going to be an outfield player now, it's like I had to start from zero and uh, I had an ambition of coming to play in Europe. And uh, I, I thought like, uh, how how big are my chances to come and play in Europe as an outfield player? I thought um, my chances were bigger as a goalkeeper than an outfield player because I said before, I, I had missed a lot of you know footballing education as an outfield player. I was a decent goalkeeper, I was playing for the national team back then, so I thought I would be doing myself a, a huge injustice if I converted now. So I just thought, okay, let me just stick to it. So you just mentioned it yourself there, Arnold. Divock Origi, family of yours, a cousin. Do you talk football and lean on each other for advice? Of course, we, we talk a lot. We talk a lot, we talk a lot with Divock, uh, you know, when I get the time, you know. Obviously, he's played 
he's he's younger than me but uh, you know now he's playing at a very higher level than uh, than than I am and uh, he gets to to see you know top level goalkeepers you know both in the national team and uh, and the club you know he gets to see Thibaut Courtois from very close you know Mignolet Carius you know these big goalkeepers you know and how they work how they behave also the, like the professionalism uh, the professionalism of top level football you know both at national team level and club level you know for example how people eat the way players react to situation how how they manage their pressure you know like this kind of stuff so he he gives me a lot and uh, on my side he comes to me when he needs advice you know when he needs motivation because uh, you know it's, it's quite obvious that my way to europe uh, was very difficult than his because he's born and raised in europe so it was much easier to make it as a pro in europe but uh, for me as a goalkeeper coming from africa it's much difficult so you know you have to be resilient you have to be persistent you know you have to be patient you have to be disciplined you know you have to be committed you must have passion you know so on this other side and also the the faith side you know because i was a born again christian before him and uh, he didn't know much about christianity so you know now he's uh, he's also a born again christian and he's very devoted and trying to get close to god so on this side and this part of life you know he comes to me for for advice and uh, when i need you know to know how things work how the way they train you know how to achieve the best uh, the best top level in uh, is as uh, footballing wise then I go to him because uh, he gets to experience it every day so so we help each other a lot that's Kenya national team goalkeeper Arnold Origi speaking there to Liam Flint more from him on next week's show well that's it for the program for this week so from me Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK thanks so much for listening And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.